Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to everyone. I'm Ed Horstman, the senior pastor at Round Hill Community Church, and we're really fortunate to have a wonderful guest for our podcast episode, Rachel Kornfeld, who is the chief executive officer of Jewish Family Services in Greenwich. So Rachel, I want to say a very warm welcome to Round Hill Radio. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate you having me on today. It's great. And uh, I've been very fortunate to get to know you uh, as we've been working together and thinking together about how to respond to a humanitarian crisis, which is the, 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 the process that's been unfolding now for a time to welcome Afghani evacuees uh, to the United States. And I want to thank you for the incredible leadership that you have shown and taken in helping us in Greenwich in particular. Uh, to be a source of welcome for for at least some of those evacuees. We hope we're going to be able to provide them with a, with a sense of, of home. So before we have our conversation about that, uh, I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you, Rachel, a little bit about Jewish Family Services and its history, uh, just to give us some of that background for our listeners. Sure, sure. Um, it, it's nice to be able to tell the story because we really are sort of returning to our roots. Uh, JFS of Greenwich was created in the early 1980s to serve um, the influx of Russian refugees that were coming over from the former Soviet Union. And so for you know upwards of 25 years, uh, JFS was known uh, in the community for helping to resettle Russian families. And many still live here today and, and still keep in touch with JFS after all of these years. Uh, Over time, as that program sort of dried up, which happens for different populations, and that's a Mm -hmm. good thing, um, Mm -hmm. they... uh, the focus shifted. And so JFS was kind of this quiet little social service agency filling gaps in services in the community. And uh, when I got here in 2019, I tried to make it less quiet. And that's that's how we're here today, I guess. <laughs> well, so in, in, in terms of your arrival of making things less quiet, of course, you're arriving just about the time when the uh, pandemic is starting or, you know, right around that time. So how has that affected the work of of JFS, um, the the global pandemic? You know, it it was an incredible time to be newer to uh, the Greenwich community. I've lived in North Stamford for uh, 12 years at this point, but my entire career, professional career, has been uh, in the South Bronx in New York City. Uh, So it was definitely a change. Um, And uh, but I, I have to say, I think the pandemic sort of propelled everything forward in the way it needed to go. Uh, it's, you know, we saw needs in the community that were present before, uh, but then obviously exacerbated by job loss and mental health issues, physical health issues, uh, you know, everything that, that came along with COVID-19. So I, I have to say that uh, it was a learning experience, but a wonderful one. Uh, our clinical and psychological services grew exponentially. Exponentially. So mm-hmm. now we're serving upwards of 400 people in the greater wow. Greenwich community, providing psychotherapy and psychological services. Uh, our immigration services have expanded. So we help those who um, maybe don't have the finances to hire an attorney. So we help them fill out their applications towards citizenship. And then something I'm very proud of, uh, in addition to our supermarketing for seniors, which we're known for, we were able to take advantage of funds from the town 
And we've had a uh, Families Affected by COVID-19 Transition Program. We call it FACTS. And we've had that since the early stages of the pandemic, uh, for which we've been able to help uh, over 75 families uh, manage food insecurity, uh, emergency financial assistance, housing issues, uh, job loss, so job coaching, and mental health resources. So, yes, from something awful, much good has come. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is, it's a wonderful array of work. And I guess my, just moving from, your affiliation with JFS maybe to a more personal question. So what what is it that drew you personally to this kind of work, which it sounds like you've been doing for some time? You've been very committed to the common good in a lot of different ways. Can you say what it was that uh, inspired you to, to move your life in that direction? Sure, sure. I, I, you know, it was pretty obvious, I think, from an early age. I'm the child of a school psychologist and a geriatric nurse. Uh, mm. So when I was younger, uh, you know, I grew up watching my mother make Thanksgiving meals for my dad's, uh, you know, families in need at his school. I would, I would uh, run around town in August every year. My father would go to every store to get all of the deals on uh, school supplies. Uh, so back then wow. it was like five cent notebooks and things like that, but he would buy thousands of them. So then for September, all of the students, uh, you know, in need would have school supplies. So watching that growing up, uh, it, you know, it was instilled in me. Uh, I remember when I told my dad I wanted to be a social worker, he just double checked on that. And he said, you sure? You sure you want to do that? <laughs> um, but uh, they, uh, they were always very supportive of it. You know, my family was the one that always had some random person that my sister and I didn't quite know. Maybe my parents didn't either at the holiday table. Uh, so. Uh, you, you can see how that, that happened early on, and it's continued. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Well, there are so many people who are fortunate you've made that decision, and I guess I would uh, now identify that group as all of those uh, Afghani evacuees who are going to be coming into our state. Uh, we understand that there's about 600 who will be looking for a home, 55,000 across the United States as a whole. So that's a it's really a staggering number when you think about the you know, the lives of each individual in that group and the, and what they have experienced, what they've lost, what they're hoping for. So Rachel, help us a little bit in terms of our understanding of how JFS became involved in this process and what you're hoping to accomplish with local organizations in the coming months uh, to resettle Afghani evacuees in our area. Sure, sure. So uh, you know, knowing that JFS was created to serve refugees many years ago, uh, when I heard about the, uh, you know, the crisis in Afghanistan, I, you know, of course, I started to look into it and see if uh, we had opportunities to assist in some way. And at first, we actually were hoping to assist with some of the resources we already had, such as mental health resources and emergency financial resources. And we had offered that to Siri and Iris, which are the two refugee resettlement agencies in Connecticut who are amazing and do this uh, all year, every year. Right. Um, and uh, at some point, and we, we were uh, excited to be able to support in some way, 
And as a smaller social service agency, we have that ability to pivot. We have an incredibly supportive board who really want to meet the needs in the community as they arise. Mm -hmm. uh, it happened over COVID and they were happy to join in um, to support Afghan evacuees. Uh, at, it just sort of the stars aligned when HIAS, which is the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, reached out to uh, all the JFS affiliates across the country and said, we really need you to step up. We need you to become temporary placement agencies and we'll provide a, a slew of um, resources and supports, but we need you to do it like right now. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't really a thought process on that, uh, you know, or, or time. But, um, you know, the nice thing about it was, I, for me, there wasn't a question. You know, I thought to myself, if my board agrees with this, we're good. Mm -hmm. um, we did that knowing we had very little staff uh, and we weren't sure what we were getting into. Um, but again, knowing that we were under the auspices of HIAS, which is an incredible, uh, you know, resettlement agency um, known, you know, around the world for their their services. And also how we started, which was through HIAS and the Russian sure. uh, refugees. So we just moved forward and slowly but surely. Actually, it's not slowly but surely. It was actually really quickly <laughs> that uh, we jumped into the process. Um, something that I have to say is that everything that's happened, I really do think it's happened for a reason, um, and that the stars aligned here because of where we are. So it's not just that we um, are in Greenwich, which is a, an area that's full of resources and an incredible community, um, but also the state that we live in. Uh, Connecticut is, uh, you know, I, I have been blown away by the response at the state level. Uh, you know, the governor made it very clear that Connecticut is going to be a welcoming state to mm -hmm. um, at least 600 of our, our Afghan neighbors in need. And uh, I think it's important for people to know that the state is really rallying to provide incredible support and services, not only to the agencies like uh, JFS and Syrian IRIS, but the individuals. So they're really trying to pull together resources to make this transition, um, you know, as easy as possible. Yeah. I'm really glad you gave a shout out to the little state of Connecticut, you know, the, the <laughs> land of steady habits. We, we can surprise ourselves sometimes, right? Right, right. Right. So suddenly make these dramatic decisions to be a place of great welcome and refuge. I'm really proud of the state uh, for a lot of reasons these days, but that one especially, right, as you're pointing out. Right. Absolutely. And then take it from there. I, you know, I was introduced to your congregation and several others. Uh, so that's why I continue to say that, you know, the stars have been aligning um, so we can do more good. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to reflect back to you uh, a little bit of, you know, your comment about the pace at which things have moved. Uh, it, mm -hmm. It's really moving very quickly. Right. And we're we're thinking that uh, there could be a family moving into our our area as soon as the first week in December. Is that the is that the idea? And, and if so, in terms of the timing, if you can describe that a little to us and also what do we know about our Afghan neighbors who are going to be coming into our midst or, or how much do we know? Sure, sure. So this has been a fascinating process for me. Uh, you know, I've spent over 20 years in uh, human services. I've never experienced this type of program. And uh, yeah, I think I, I had mentioned to you that um, when we, we had to assure cases that I was literally clicking with the mouse 
on yeah. different families, right? And different right. individuals. And it's a bit of a surreal experience to know that whomever I clicked on, their life mm. was going to change and that mm. they were going to be a part of the Greenwich community. Um, I also felt, you know, an incredible sense of peace and comfort knowing they were coming to us so mm. that they would be okay, right? Surrounded in this group um, that you've created over there um, at Roundtail Community Church. So um, those that are going to be coming to us we, right now, we have 21 uh, individuals that we expect to arrive uh, probably in December, hopefully between December and February 15th. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do expect our first family, likely of seven, to arrive uh, early next week. We get very little information um, because of the enormity of the situation. Typically, we would have more information up. Please. Um, we basically know their ages, their sex, um, their marital status, and the language that they speak. Um, sometimes if there are, you know, some medical issues or whatnot. Uh, but that's really uh, all we know. Uh, I have to say, though, because I'm new to this and I'm not used to getting, you know, a really detailed um, case profile, just to be able to know their ages, uh, you know, and sexes for, you know, the children, uh, you know, and, and the teens and, and things like that. It gives us the ability to at least prepare somewhat. Yes. Uh, yeah. And have resources available that are age appropriate. Yeah. And you're mm -hmm. providing such amazing resources for groups like ourselves because we're we're some of us are brand new to this process. We're very mm -hmm. fortunate that in in the team or the co-sponsor group that we've uh, formed that we do have some people who've been <clears throat> part of the resettlement process in the past. Um, but can you say a little bit, Rachel, about what those co-sponsorship groups do? I mean, how did how do they mm -hmm. organize themselves and what specifically are some of the resources that JFS will provide to them so that they can accomplish their work? Sure, sure. So, you know, what's been very interesting is that I have been very much a student over the past 30 days doing a whole lot of listening and absorbing information. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have no, no shame in being humble, uh, you know, and just listening in many meetings uh, to learn from those who have done this before. We've uh, had a lot of assistance from IRIS, uh, which is Integrated Refugee and Immigrant Services, and they're an incredible organization based out of New Haven. Mm -hmm. and and they really have been instrumental in helping us to learn the process, uh, particularly the co-sponsorship process. Yes. And so the JFS Rising Hope uh, Volunteer Group co-sponsorship will be a bit of a hybrid. Uh, so that it will be uh, as much of the formal process as we're able to put together in the short amount of time that we've been able to work together. And also JFS is really going to be heavily involved because we need to learn the process as well. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, quite a few families that are going to be coming in a very short period of time. And so I think there's going to be some formal uh, groups that are going to take on, uh, you know, individual families. Mm -hmm. uh, we're very happy that Roundtail Community Church has offered uh, the cottage on campus mm -hmm. for transitional housing, which is an incredible gift. So our families can come and have a warm, comfortable place to stay for a few days or up to um, two weeks if needed while we find them more permanent housing. But everything in between is going to happen through th this group of volunteers, through this co-sponsorship. Hmm. So everything from making sure that there's clean linens to food in the refrigerator and hot meals, 
uh, driving our new neighbors uh, wherever they need to go, securing placements uh, in school, driver's licenses, you name it. Uh, and all of this will be done hand in hand, uh, you know, with our JFS case manager and myself uh, and our volunteers. We were especially delighted to hear that you had brought on board a case manager. I mean, I think that's a really for those who've worked in the resettlement process in the past and have not had access to that resource. I know that that really brightened their spirits and it gave a lot of the rest of us a huge boost of confidence. Um, I should say that our, our rising hope group. Uh, consists of Round Hill Community Church, the First Presbyterian Church in Greenwich, the North Greenwich Congregational Church, and the Greenwich International Ladies Group. And uh, we did a brief check-in yesterday, and we're going to be checking in again today, but we have, we think, pretty close to 60 volunteers who have stepped up. And I think that speaks to the comment you made at the very beginning of our conversation. There's tremendous goodwill in Greenwich to want to be able to receive these new neighbors into our community. And we've certainly seen that, um, you know, as we've gone about this process of recruiting volunteers. I think everyone that we've talked with has this mixture of, um, you know, kind of gratitude and terror, you know, mm -hmm. wanting, being really excited about doing this, but also thinking, wow, are we really up to this? And, um, you know, what would you say to those in, in the group who are feeling a, a little, you know, a little wobbly at times about this, eager to be part of it, but also they have that question in the back of their minds. Uh, any words of assurance or comfort that you would extend sure. to them? Absolutely. So this is one of those things where I, I've been saying there's something for everyone, right? Mm. Uh, when it comes to any good deed, everybody has a different level of comfort. And so there are those who like to go and shop for the food. There are those who like to cook it. And there, there are those who like to deliver it so they get that one-on-one -on -one contact with the person in need. Sure. And Yes. So if we have people at every stage just like that, that's, I think, what's most important. Um, yeah. That we want everybody, you know, part of why I do what I do is because of the joy that I get from helping others. And mm -hmm. I, I look forward to all of those in this volunteer group experiencing that, to know that mm. they had just a little piece, a little part of really helping to change the trajectory of lives, because that's what yeah. we're doing. Right. Yeah, that's really helpful. And mm -hmm. the other part of this, which is still really hard for me to, to grasp, but this is how uh, IRIS has done its work. They really encourage uh, and expect those who arrive into our state to be really kind of moving towards self-sufficiency in a fairly short space of time. And I, I hesitate to say self-sufficiency because we all depend on a network of communities, right, for our fullness of life. But what is the time frame roughly that people are expected to follow as they, as they get a sort of a firm grounding under their lives? Sure. So uh, officially, the highest uh, Afghan placement assistance program for which we are under the auspices of is a 30 to 90 day program. Mm. And so uh, we technically need to provide services and get them as settled as possible during that time. Mm -hmm. Of course, as a social service agency, we are here in Greenwich, we are already providing a slew of resources and services. And that's why, you know, it was a no brainer for me and something that was really feasible for us to manage that we are here to help these families as long as they need. Uh, mm -hmm. From examples of other JFS affiliates across the country, um, uh, the JFS uh, up in Boston was very active in helping with some Syrian uh, refugee resettlement. Mm -hmm. 
And so we took a lot of uh, their knowledge and information and, you know, knowing that their families are coming back to see them uh, doing very well, uh, but still involved, you know, four or five years later. So I think the extent of resources needed will be um, minimized after a a very short period of time. But of Mm -hmm. course, we want to be here for them socially, emotionally, uh, you know, in any way that we can uh, for as long as they need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rachel, I was I was in on the I guess the initial uh, Zoom organizational meeting that you arranged with many, many people from our community. And I think the thing that uh, struck me, two things struck me about your leadership that day. First of all, uh, you were really determined and it was very clear that we were going to to reach out to these new neighbors. And this was not a question of, you know, whether or not we were going to do it, but this was something we were going to do. And the other thing that I really appreciated was your non-anxious presence. This is which a friend of mine once said, you know, if you can't create a non-anxious presence, at least create a less anxious presence. So, you know, I think whenever we're embarking on an endeavor of this magnitude, it's it's natural that we feel a little bit of nervous hesitation. But you really had a way of drawing us all together in a spirit of confidence. So I want to thank you for that and for all of your leadership. And just wonder if you have any closing thoughts for us as we go forward from this podcast and to the work of actually receiving these new neighbors from Afghanistan into our community. Sure, sure. If I can tell a very quick story about a program from a former life. Um, I was a school administrator in the South Bronx for many years, and we had an unaccompanied minors program uh, in my school. We had 75 children in our school, um, ranging in age from, I think, one, you know, uh, one year to 18 years. And there was one day um, where it was a particularly tough day with my students. And I remember I saw somebody walk in with a little baby on their shoulder, maybe a two or three year old. And I thought, oh, that must be their daughter. And I said, oh, you know, your daughter is so adorable. And she said, no, no, this is one of the the unaccompanied minors. And all I could think of in that moment, especially as a mother of young children myself at that time, was this was just a little baby who just wanted to be comfortable with their mother or their father or their family members. And so, you know, when I think about that, uh, you know, back to that moment and the emotion that I felt then, it it was just a human. It was just a, a little teeny human right there. And so I, I hope that more people will join this effort um, in any way they can. But I hope more than anything that our, our new Afghan neighbors will be viewed just like that, just as, mm-hmm. as another human like you and I, um, who feels pain and has emotions and needs, and that they should be treated accordingly. Because uh, we're very privileged, um, not by wealth, but just to have a safe place to live, Um, you know, education, to have family, to have the comforts that we do. And so my hope is that we can use some of that to extend to these, uh, our new neighbors and anybody who might be interested in joining, I would love to speak with you. Mm. Rachel, thank you so much. Blessings in every Mm -hmm. way for you and Jewish Family Services. And we work, look forward to working alongside you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. You too. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Roundtill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundtill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundtillcommunitychurch.org.